We are LP Magazine, and since 2001, we've been the leader in providing content and education for the loss prevention and asset protection industry, and we are known as the voice and authority of the LP community. Each episode, we'll be sharing and discussing the latest in trends and current issues related to all things retail and profit protection. You're listening to the LPM Podcast. Next up is Kevin Metcalf. Kevin is the founder of the National Child Protection Task Force. Uh, and we're going to hear uh, an update from Kevin, and then you can ask him some good questions. We're looking really, we're talking about the relationship between uh, human trafficking and child exploitation and organized retail crime. Um, not typically what we've looked at the last several years uh, as far as uh, relationships to ORC. And uh, this is a fantastic opportunity for us to, to expand that. As we you know, we've mentioned when we started this conference, we were looking at things that are kind of expanding where loss prevention has, has gone to. And we've seen um, expansion of uh, ORC, Homeland Security is involved with it now. We talked a little bit with Tracy and some of the concerns about ORC funding terrorist uh, activities. Um, and now uh, Kevin's got a great introduction to us on the impact um, and the infiltration that we see with um, child exploitation and human trafficking. So please, if uh, you'll welcome with me, uh, Kevin Metcalf. Kevin, how are you today? Good, how are you? Excellent, thank you, sir. I'm gonna uh, stop sharing here, and then uh, I know you've got some, some cool stuff to share for us. Yes, uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. I a little echo in this room. I'm in Arizona right now, uh, training law enforcement on uh, different investigative techniques. So um, I'm in an unfamiliar room, and there seems to be an echo in here. So if that becomes a problem, please let me know. I think you're okay. All right, I'm gonna get started here. In this setting, you know, unfortunately, I can't really share a lot of what we do, but I'm going to try to give you a, an overview. So I want to just talk a little bit about our, our origin, because there are so many organizations, so many nonprofits out here that are popping up. And, you know, one of the valid questions we get, how are we different? What do we do? Well, this all started, I started in law enforcement and military, different things back in 1988. So I've been involved in this for a very long time. I became a full-time single father and my girls by myself since they were two and five. Their mother died back um, many, many years ago. And I was working counterterrorism in, in federal law enforcement. I was in London when all the bombings were going off in 2006 and my overnight babysitter called and said, hey, I can't be there tonight. So I, you know, they, that was just no way for my kids to grow up. So I quit federal law enforcement, came back, went to law school with the intent of going back to the U.S. Attorney's Office where I had some connections. And I just didn't. I stayed where I was at. So from there, I started taking on cases that in, in, in the legal realm, as, as a lot of you probably know, things move really, really slowly. And it's no different when you're looking at social media. Social media, electronics, evidence, mobile devices, computers, that, that was an area nobody really wanted to get into very much. And you know, after 20 something years of investigations, I came in as a prosecutor. I thought, well, I'll do that. Nobody's doing it. So I applied all the experience I had and went into learning everything I could as a prosecutor. I've had several jury trials that involved electronic evidence, social media, cell phones, and pretty much everything. So I started teaching around the country about seven years ago. Uh, everywhere I would teach, I'd say, hey, let me know if you need any help. And that started getting me involved in a 
tremendous variety of cases, terrorism cases, domestic terrorism, property crimes, homicides, all, all sorts of things, including retail. Uh, a lot of fraud activity going on that's tied in with pretty much everything else. So uh, as this grew, a few years ago, I, I helped in the recovery of a few teenagers who were actually groomed and taken by online sexual predators. That really blew things up. And I started being asked to speak at national conferences and now international conferences. And that's where I met Kevin Branzetti. Uh, he and I started uh, brainstorming on some of this, how to do things better because nothing is fast enough for us when you start looking at what's happening to our kids. It's not enough to just rescue them because as Barbara, she's our director of victim or survivor resources. She was trafficked by her own mother starting at the age of eight. And she said that's, that's where, when her childhood ended and all she had were these dreams of childhood. And that's become something I can't get out of my head. There are so many kids, <clears throat> so many kids out here that they're, they're only, they're not dreaming about being an astronaut or a firefighter or a superhero or whatever kids normally do. They just dream of having a childhood of anything like that. So that's been a big driving force uh, for, for this organization. So that's, that's how this whole thing started off. And that comes to our why. So this, this is something that developed over a while, trying to articulate this. We imagine a world where children wake up to experience childhood, feel safe wherever they are, and end each day looking forward to tomorrow. That's what everything we do filters through. If we can't make some difference somehow in, in that realm, and it's, I, I know it's not, it's not something that we'll ever achieve, but we can do a hell of a lot better than we've been doing. But it's gonna take all of us working together in retail, is a vital area that is, is really untapped. So our mission, what do we do and how are we, little, how are we different? Well, we're kind of a weird nonprofit. We are made up of active duty law enforcement. We're all volunteers. So we're active duty law enforcement. We have active duty military. I've got Naval Investigative Services. I got people from the special operations community. We've got a ton of people. Plus we, we partner with other organizations doing similar work, overlapping work. Our strength is in legal process. We also try to do things respecting as much privacy as much as we can. We're very big privacy proponents. And I think you can use highly sensitive tools, but use them in a way that is responsibly done and that you minimize an invasion of privacy. You, you minimize that intrusion. So we were founded to provide investigators access to investigative expertise and resources that, are, that just don't exist out there for most organizations. So we bring them all together in one place. And we aren't just US-based anymore. We now have investigators that help from Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, France, Italy, and on and on. So we're working a lot with these organizations because Take the dark web, for example. Once you step into a dark web investigation, you really don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know what country that victim's in. You don't know where these, these predators are located. So it takes a lot of expertise. And we volunteer our time to any agency, small or large, international or local, on anything pretty much. But our focus is on missing, exploited, and trafficked children. And I'm, I'm not, I don't have time today to get on my soapbox about 
runaways versus missing, but I, I just want to put this thought in your mind. Think about when you see that a child has been missing or kidnapped or taken, just missing. How, what effect does that have on you versus hearing that a child has run away? I'll tell you what it does on the law enforcement side. It, it moves that child from a very high level investigative priority to the lowest level of investigative priority. If there's any investigation that's done at all, they're a runaway. They'll come back when they get tired, when they want to. You know, that's, that's the overarching thought. However, kids are running away from something, generally. Not 100% not of the time, but most of the time, they're running away from something. Running away from sexual abuse, physical abuse, alcohol, substance abuse. They're, they're running away from something, thinking that they can do better. And when you do all this work and you finally locate a kid and you get to that point and that, that minor, that teen that tells you, stop looking for me. I don't want to go back. I'm better off with these people. You know, it, they're using me, but at least they care about me. That's, that's just not uncommon. And we've got to fix that. But it's going to take all of us to do that. So we got to look at, at what are the barriers to all of this? Well, these criminal organizations, they are evolving rapidly. They share information, they share lessons learned. They have anti-profiling manuals on the dark web that they regularly update. When any criminal is arrested, they look and see what the cops did, how they found them and how they prosecuted them. And they add to these manuals. Rescue and these prevention organizations, these organizations focused on human trafficking, child exploitation, different things, we're, we're underfunded. Uh, I'll just tell you, our entire budget for my nonprofit in the last two years has been less than $15,000, and that, that's it. We're going to have to change that, but uh, we need to also push out education, and we need help doing that. We need more people to do that, and we also need this government, this public-private collaboration. We need them to stop being segmented, stop being separated. We all need to come together and work on this. So we started this to share our knowledge. Everything we learn, we share with law enforcement. And part of our, our organization is also retail. We have retail investigators that are involved with us from a variety of, of backgrounds. And I'm, I'm saying this not to, for you to think that we're trying to get around legal process. I'm a prosecuting attorney. That's my day job. At the end of this thing, I want everything to be prosecutable. I want to build a prosecutable case. And to, to do that, we can't cut corners. We can't railroad people you know, on their privacy. You know, there, there are no innocent bystanders. So we try to do this right. We also challenge conventional methods in criminal investigations. There are ways that we can do this better and we're proving it. We have the results. But we have to train with high tech. So some of our in investigators, some of our people we collaborate with, we brainstorm with come from retail. They come from uh, pri the private sector. They come from big name social media companies. I'm not going to throw any names out here, but we all come together for the same purpose, the same mission. We try to inspire investigators instead of thinking, hey, that's a runaway. I'm not going to mess with that. That's not a homicide. That's nothing that I'll, I'll get recognized for. We got to do away with ego. We need to do away with who gets credit. And if you look in the news, you're, you're going to see all these agencies fighting over who gets credit. 100 and 50 kids were rescued and this one agency puts out a, this news uh, release that they've done it. Another one puts out the same news release when in reality it's, uh, it's, it's a work of 
many, many people, many organizations, some government, some private, it, it's a mix. We also try to empower people to use their skills. We have a, a variety. In one case, one of our volunteers had a poker background. He recognized something that led to a successful conclusion of a case. You just never know where these cases are gonna end up or what's gonna be important. So we have more than 80 volunteers and we really try to make society a better place for everyone. That's, that's kind of the goal. So everybody that's involved in this has to have a passion for making a difference. We have to have a way of visualizing the intersection of technology and investigations. And it's not just the super high tech. I'm not gonna get into who, but I'll tell you our, our retail investigators and I'm up here by Walmart corporate. So Walmart corporate has taken many, many, many of my investigators that once they get good, Walmart, I mean, yeah, they, they have the funds, they've got everything there. They will just pull them in and I don't blame the guys. You know, it's, it's a much better way of life than having to, to dig through this stuff every day. But they still help us out. And there was, uh, a, there, there've been a couple of cases where purchase history and insight into that on the retail side have led to the recovery of children where we weren't getting anywhere necessarily on the traditional methods outside the box thinking and being able to think of things like, you know, how do we analyze purchase history or what is this kid like, or what is that, that suspect? You know, we have to think broadly. I don't want to get into too many details on a recorded uh, session with people. I, I don't know who all's on here, but uh, needless to say, retail has really stepped up and helped and the private technology companies have also stepped up to help us make incredible differences. We, are, are, are doing a lot on the way of, of collecting all of this intelligence and actually putting it out in training. We include the retail sector, we include investigations, we include security in this. So if anybody is listening to this and you want in on our training, on our conferences coming up in June, please reach out to me and let me know. And it, there will be a vetting process to make sure you are who you say you are but we are including retail in our training because we have found that that is uh, vital to making a, a difference. Human trafficking gets all the, the attention anymore. And as I said, with the exploitation cases, we don't really know where we're gonna end up. Human trafficking, I think this is really where we're going to see the, the big organized retail crime connection. But I will tell you, as a prosecutor, we are not working the runaways. We're not working the kids from the ground up. That, this case, you know, from a runaway up. When we helped out in Hawaii, we had foster kids, not a single investigator assigned. They had multiple runaways. We got in, we were asked to come in and work these cases. We started identifying traffickers, pimps, recruiters. We identified drug dealers just from working these runaway cases. Now these runaways, they're, they're minors, they're out here on their own. So they're incredibly vulnerable. They're also being used for organized retail crime. They're driven across the country, but we're not able to nail down human trafficking charges most of the time. As a prosecutor, I can tell you it's extremely difficult. It's much easier to charge the guy, the, this pimp with a, a gun violation or with meth. And that's, that's how they control these kids. That's how they control their victims get them hooked on drugs, get some sort of control over them. 
then they'll use them for shoplifting. They'll use them for these, these credit card fraud scams. So human trafficking, if it, think about it, not as a legal definition, but it's a crime that involves using another person. You're using that person to benefit off of their labor, their services, sex. I, I think of sex, it, it's forced labor. And you're using forced fraud or coercion or the victim is a minor, the victim's incapable of consent. So human trafficking estimated 24.9 million victims in the US. Around 70% are female and about one third of these victims are children. So keep that in mind. Uh, even when I was working the street back in, in the 90s and uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't unusual for groups of kids to come through and do a ton of shoplifting. I still remember purses, uh, pretty much anything. And the adults could sit out and they would be safe. Run the kids in. Kids get arrested, no big deal. And they're still doing that. We, we have groups that come through and pick up our homeless. They print off checks and they'll say, hey, go in there. You know, talking to a homeless guy who hasn't eaten in a week. Go in here, cash this check, and I'll give you a hundred bucks. They do that. And by the time the investigation is done and the prosecution starts, that group is gone. They're long gone back several states over. And who is left to take the blame? You know, all these homeless people or the children. Minorities, migrants, or immigrant are those are the big ones that are getting hit. But traffickers look for vulnerabilities, people they can manipulate easily, people who are struggling. That's what they prey on. Eating disorders, the LGBTQ community, anybody with any vulnerability, that's where they're going. That's who they are manipulating. So these, these victims, these runaways, these missing kids, these minors, the foster care system, I can't tell you what we've dealt with in that. And it's so hard to even get people to admit that, that there are minors that are missing out of the foster care system. We can't even get an accurate count on it. These are the victims that we're dealing with. These are the throwaway kids, as I've heard them referred to, that are being sent into the retail establishments. Because if you think about it, how are these kids providing for themselves? Well, they're being hooked on drugs. They're being run into criminal enterprises. They're being trained on how to shoplift, how to get these gift cards, how to work them. And the people running this are sitting back and they're staying safe because somebody else is gonna take the fall for it. Now, how do we identify this? I don't know, but I can tell you that we have a different approach to crime, a different approach to investigations. And we can definitely work with the retail community on figuring out innovative ways to apply technology to figure things out. Gift cards, I, I just can't tell you how much we see these. This is the big thing. Credit card fraud. I can tell you as a prosecutor, I see it a lot from retail establishments in my jurisdiction. But I also see all these purchases going on for sex, all these scams that are going on all the sales of gift cards on the dark web that we have access to, it's, it's, it's huge. You guys are getting hit just, I'm sure you already know that, you're getting hit hard and they're using this to scam other people and they're using this to get more victims and they're using the victims to, to participate in this and take the fall for it. You know, it sets them up in a very safe way. So uh, the overlap. I don't have the hard facts. I don't have the hard numbers, but I see it. I see it all the time. One of the things we need to do is increase retail, the loss prevention. I, I used to work loss prevention off duty as an officer. 
So I know you see it, but are you seeing everything? Are you recognizing what you see? I would like to see more training, more collaboration with organizations that can provide training to you guys, provide more of a connection. If I see this, what do I do? You know, can we, you guys can run Intel. I mean, you can, you can see what's going on in your own area. And don't forget that parents can be the bad guys too. We see parents running their own kids. I mean, I, I saw it back when I was a uniformed officer, when I would, you know, arrest kids, find out that their parents were the ones that were running them in to, to do all the shoplifting, all these thefts. And technology has only increased that, has only increased their reach. You know, the parents are going to say, yeah, I didn't have anything to do with that. Those are just my kids. Why don't you send them over to juvenile for a couple of days? You know, there's really, there's really no danger in it to them. We also have a lot of victims coming into the country. They're coming in for, for employment. They're, they're being taken advantage of for forced labor. That, that's often, it doesn't get as much attention as it should. Forced labor should get as much attention because it's all mixed. When you're looking at organized retail crime, you're looking at drug networks, you're looking at cartels, all of this stuff is all mixed in together. It's not just one clean crime. Drug addiction also, I, I can't emphasize that enough, how important that is. That's a control mechanism, one of the control mechanisms, but it's a big one. That's how they, they lure these kids away from home. That's how they, they start off getting control. So retail response, partner with law enforcement and collaborate with anti-exploitation organizations, and there are several. Offer resources to victims. What does that look like? I'm not really sure but it could be maybe local funding of a place who, uh, you know, something we have a lot of organizations we partner with that do victim services in certain areas. And they're always looking for clothes. They're looking for medical care. They're looking for food. They're looking for, for some sort of support. What we do is the hunt. You know, we're really, really good at targeting, but don't just focus on, hey, we recovered these hundred kids. None of the news, no organization goes back six, 10 weeks later and says, of these hundred kids that you recovered, where are they now? What resources are they given? Education and training. Train your people to recognize when these people come into the stores, what, what does human trafficking look like? What does exploitation look like? What does it look like when you have a victim there? What are the purchasing patterns? What are the other things we can look for. How can we make a positive difference? How can we get left a boom as saying terrorism? We wanna get ahead of this. How can we recognize this before those kids are so addicted and so broken that, that they have no childhood left? How do we get there? And we also need you guys to speak up, add to the voice. One of the things I would really like for you guys to consider technological enhancements. And I know that this is a very, very controversial thing, but I think it's, it's definitely coming. It's going to get here. I think the problem is, is that it's not been done properly. It's not been done to protect the rights of the innocent. Facial recognition is one of the big things. And I've been talking to several people in this realm about running the possibility of running facial recognition in stores. I would really like to try a, a pilot program somewhere but we have to limit, we have to do it the right way. 
we have to do it in a way that if it's discovered that people, the most of society is going to say, all right, I get that. And we know how to do that. We have that expertise. We have that experience and we have that background. So that's an, an overview, which went really fast. And I wasn't able to show you the, the really great things that we do. However, there is a YouTube video and Jack, I'll send that out to you. And right now I'm gonna look over here at some of these questions I've got. I've got, uh, I've got one for you, Kevin. Um, uh, I mean, one of the questions is about uh, how, what retail and retail investigators, leaders and investigators can, uh, can do to support these efforts. Um, I think you've just actually touched on some of that, but what about some key things that we should be looking for when, it, especially like when a young person is apprehended for theft, are there certain questions um, that, that should be asked? Uh, you know, what are some of the things that some of the signs that the, that uh, our LP folks out in the field should be looking for? That is not something I have prepared right in front of me, but there are some, some really good questions and things to look for. And it, it, it deserves more than a, you know, 30 second answer, but, if that is something that we can put together, that would be a more in-depth training. But yes, definitely there are things that, that, that can be identified that you really need to look for. And it may be something that, you know, when you tell law enforcement, they're gonna say, you know, I, I don't know what to do with that. That's very common. So we also have to educate law enforcement. When, when you guys see something, that needs to be taken much more seriously. Excellent. I think, um... You know, coming out of this, this is this was sort of opening the door on the conversation for us and for our group um, and for our discussions with you. So um, knowing that coming out of this uh, session, we've got, um, you know, I know we're talking about an article um, to put together and we're talking about um, some other things, hearing um, some of the things that we might be able to do to help when it comes to training and maybe even communication such as this to help with some of the training and awareness stuff. I know there's resources that we have at LPM. Um, that, that I think we'd love to collaborate with you on to see if we can help um, put, put that message together, uh, working with you to help give that instruction. And, and then, you know, we've got channels to help put that out. So I think that could be a, an excellent opportunity for us to work with you on, on some of those training initiatives for sure. Right. Yeah, we, we definitely need to come together because we've worked with retail establishments for years and the, the results have been, I mean, it, much more substantial than they would have been with law enforcement alone. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, let me just double check for, uh, 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 let's see. Are the victims of human trafficking sent to rehabilitation? There's uh, we'll, we'll leave you with that one. Do you know what happens to them when you do, when you do discover them? I made the mistake of looking into that and it's, it's, uh, it haunts me. I got, I have to say it, it depends on, Law enforcement isn't set up to deal with that. We're set up to do the recovery and we're done pretty much because that's what we do. I started looking into what happens to these kids. Most of them will go back to being homeless. Most of them will go back to the foster system if that's where they came from. A lot of them will go back into a home where they're being abused. So it's, it's a very troubling, troubling thing. And that is definitely something we, we have to look at more than just recovering these kids and throwing them back to wherever they came from. We need to look at the, why did they run away? What was happening in their life and how can we make that better? And I think that's something retail can definitely have a, a hand in. Excellent. All right, well, Kevin, I think that's uh, about our time for this afternoon. As I said, there's gonna be a lot more um, coming out of this discussion for everyone and, and we're gonna uh, 
look to get resources from you that we can share out to all the, the folks, not only who attended, but who registered for our session today, um, as well as some follow-up uh, articles and information that we'll have coming out of this. So thank you again for your time. Thank you for all that you do. This is a, a tremendous effort that you're that you're leading and and um, we we really will, uh, supporting with you. I'm send out my I have I'll send you guys my contact information if you want to send that out. I see some questions in there, but you can contact me. And I'm also going to include a YouTube video where one of our investigators just uh, was part of a nomination for an Amnesty International Award for humanitarian uh, efforts. So thank you all. Great, excellent. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it.